So, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank Pastor Nate. Um, Pastor Nate Detweiler actually trusts me enough to share God's word in his congregation, in our congregation. And I think that it is a, a massive responsibility um, when sharing uh, God's love with, um, with people who are open to it, but also maybe people who might not be so open uh, to God's word as well. So I wanted to share a little bit about myself and, and, and why I have this desire to share God's love in our community. Um, we don't need this one as of yet. We'll get there. We'll get there in a second. Um, so what we're going to do, uh, I, I got to share you a, a personal story with you. I've been a, a, a Christian um, nearly my entire life. Um, and about two years ago, I was going up to a seminar to talk to somebody in Glens Falls. I never go to this person. Um, it was actually martial art related, but I needed to go to do this Taekwondo thing with someone who I don't normally do Taekwondo with. If you did not know this, um, I'm a seventh degree black belt in Taekwondo. I've been studying Taekwondo my whole entire life. Um, but I love God. And so I'm going up to talk to this person, and I had like an extra hour. And so I was like, I I'm going to stop in Starbucks. I'm not even a coffee drinker, but it was like God just said, hey, go to Starbucks today. And so while I'm in Starbucks, I'm sitting down. And there is this lady talking to her boss, and her boss is giving her some critiques and things like that. And then all of a sudden, the woman says to him, I just wanted to let you know that my work performance isn't that great right now because I, am, uh, I have a cancer diagnosis. And my head was like, oh my goodness. And so the boss was a little bit um, nonchalant about it, didn't care too much about what was going on and she was talking to him about all the things that were happening in her life and how it completely turned her entire world upside down with this cancer diagnosis and so I God just said Michael talk to this woman right now so I reached over to the table I put my hand on her table I said I'm sorry I, I don't know you I said I've never been to this Starbucks in my entire life but I think God placed me here right now to say a prayer for you. I said, because everything that you're going to, going through, you seem to need some prayers. And I got into depth with her about how good God is and how much God can heal her and what God can do for her. And I prayed for her right then and there. And then I left. And the boss looked at me and he's like, oh, that was really nice of you. But I think the woman needed it at that particular time. And that's when God put on my heart that it's time for me to start sharing God's word in appropriate manners and in appropriate fashions. Can't walk up to somebody in the grocery store while they're picking out their box of cereal and say, hey, you love Jesus? If not, because that's a big problem. So we got to find the appropriate time in order to share God's love with them. In my life, I have been extremely blessed, but I have also faced some tremendous challenges. My wife and I have been married for 26 years. She's not here today. She's not feeling very well. I have a 22-year-old daughter who graduated from Penn State. She has her degree in biomedical veterinary science, and she now lives in London, becoming a veterinary surgeon. My son's 18 years old, and he lives in Oregon, and he's becoming a nuclear engineer, and life is good. But during our life and the time we spent together, we have had financial struggles. We had a failed business, emotional stress, health scares, and all the other issues that come with life in today's society.
And although these stresses have happened, we knew that God would get us through these stresses. We firmly believe in our heart and in our family that God has our back. And though there are storms in all of our lives, there are trials that push us sometimes to the breaking point, and we actually ask and blame God occasionally, why are you doing this to me? Well, God must think that I have some pretty big shoulders sometimes because some of the things that we had to go through were very challenging. God might think that you have some big shoulders because what you've gone through have been very challenging. So today, what I would like to talk about and what I'd like to share with is confidence in our relationship with God Almighty when the storms come. Because I think it's important for us to have confidence in our God when the trials do show up. Um, if I were, flipping the switch for a second, if I were to say Peter Parker, you would say Spider-Man. If I would say Tony Stark, you would say Iron Man. We all have like these crazy origin stories of like what these superheroes do, right? But in my world, I love God. I love Jesus Christ. But David in the Bible is one of my heroes. And today we are going to be talking about King David. But before we do that, I wanted to give us an opportunity to actually know who David is. And doing a Google search, there's this guy named uh, Ryan Nelson, and he did a st uh, biblical story on biblical um, characters or characteristics. And he decided that he was going to describe David with 16 different things. And I'm not going to go through all 16 of those things, but I wanted us to dive into God's word today with knowing who David is. Now, David was from Bethlehem, and you think to yourself, Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. But in Luke chapter 2, verse 4, it's well known. Nope, we're not there yet. It's well known that this is David's old stomping grounds. Bethlehem is David's old stomping grounds. And it's actually where Samuel anointed David king of his people in Bethlehem. Did you know that David was God's anointed one? And in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1, and 16, 6, this is not here yet, not yet. That's actually where he said that David is my anointed one, God's anointed one. David was a shepherd. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I think the word shepherd, like you're like, oh, the guy's leading the sheep through his flock, and oh, the, she the sheep ran away. And it is not a wimpy job. As a matter of fact, as shepherd, David killed bears, killed lions, and alike he needed to describe what he actually did as a shepherd to let, the, to, to let them know that he could defeat Goliath. And this is what he said. Your, safe, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion and a bear came and carried it from its flock, I went after it and I struck it. And I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. And I struck it and I killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them. He's talking about Goliath right now. Because he has defied the armies of the living God, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the bear has defied the armies of the living God, he will rescue me from this Philistine. This was David's perspective. 
Like, I killed a lion and a bear. I am not afraid of this dude that you're talking about right now. This is David. This is David's origin story right now. Now, David was a, music, a, a musician. By the way, the music was beautiful today. Do you agree? The music, the music was beautiful today. It, it, it really was. David was a giant slayer. There's actually a painting in the Louvre in France of David standing over Goliath about to cut his head off. It is a famous picture. It's a beautiful picture. <sighs> David had his flaws, though. He committed adultery, and he tried to cover it up. He killed men in battle, and yet he was a man after God's own heart. And it says that in 1 Samuel 13, 14. David also wrote half the book of Psalms. So this guy, David, is an amazing, and we're going to cover what David is talking about and the trials that he has had in his life today. But I wanted to give a quick perspective of who David was. Storms in life are not optional. There are many times where things are not going well, and there are seasons in our lives where we feel like we just can't catch a break. Whether you're a good person or a complete jerk, we are not immune from the storms of life. We may be new to this thing called Christianity. We may have been Christians for a very long time. But because of the fact that Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge. We live in a world with a spiritual adversary. And unfortunately, the storms and trials will come. And when they come, they can be fairly difficult. When, as a personal story, our children are not immune to trials and storms and attacks. Our children are blessings, but we hurt when they hurt. And when they hurt, we want to get involved. And we kind of want to protect them, right? When my daughter was younger, I'll, I'll give you some, uh, like, if you're raising children and your children are young, like, you know, 3 to 12 years old or whatever, I read a book called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters by Dr. Meg Meeker. And it completely changed my relationship with my daughter forever. It's a Christian-based book. And let me tell you, it helped me raise my daughter so much so. There's also a book called Queen Bees and Wannabes about little girls that bully other little girls and like the social pecking order and all these type of things. So my daughter one time was at a, um, at a popcorn movie night at school, right? And here we are thinking it's going to be a great time. And all of a sudden I get a phone call from my daughter and she's like, Daddy, I want to come home. I'm like, what? What's going on? So-and-so and these guys, they're not playing with me. They're leaving me out. And I was like, well, so hang on, I'm going to go get my daughter. For like 20 minutes driving to the school, I am angry. I'm like, how dare these kids do this to my kid? Right? This is how God feels about us. God, God fights for us. But God's fighting for us. So while I'm driving there for 20 minutes, I'm getting so upset. I know these little girls. I'm going to storm in this school. I'm going to take my kid. I'm so angry. But now I said, I pray to God. I say, hey, please give me the wisdom that I need to know what to do in this situation. So I pray about it, get to the school, I walk into the school, and here's all the little girls right here. They're all watching me. There's, hun there's hundreds, of kids in, hundreds of kids there. But like, here's the little group of kids, right? And then my kid's like sitting right here by herself. And <laughs> so, so I walk in, and I'm like, hello, ladies. Oh, hi, Mr. Uhas. And I was like, I'm taking Maddie home right now. 
Because in our family, we value true friendships. And today, some of you are not being true friends. And we left. Maddie walks out of school, she's like, that, that was so cool. But, you know, so I was like a little hero for that right now, right? But like us helping our children, God wants to help us. And God helped David so much so. As Christian and faith-based people, we contend daily with our old nature, our sinful nature. We struggle at times with what's right and what's wrong. And we're very vulnerable to sickness and disease and death. And plus, the people we love are subject to all these awful things as well. Injury, right? <sighs> There's other things too. The weather, work, finances, the government. Oh, it could be such a hassle. That's enough. I don't need to tell you that there are storms in our life and seasons in our lives that are challenging and relentless. And my hope today is to help address the negative thoughts and storms that we may have in a very godly perspective. When I was younger and very new to the Word of God and I started reading the Bible, Man, it, it was so different. I didn't have a phone where I can, like, download the app and, like, try to find these things. I went to a home fellowship where, kind of like our small groups here, and then we're in the home fellowship, fellowship and, like, the, one of the first times, and they said, go to the book of Job. You know, it's funny. I could find a job, but I couldn't find Job. And I'm sitting there, like, flipping through the pages, and I'm going, where is the, ah! You know what it's like? It's like handing your grandmother an Apple TV remote. They have no idea how to use an Apple TV remote. They're, they get so frustrated. That's how I felt when I was younger in the Word of God. I couldn't flip through the Bible and find what I needed. It was work. But you know what the Word of God is? It's like an Apple remote. Once you learn how to use it, life is so much easier. And so the Bible is the same way, right? It just helps us navigate through life. So David, you know, I was so nervous coming up here today. I have some cotton mouth. Um, so David, we now heard a little bit foundation of David's origin story, right? But David faced seemingly insurmountable struggles, but yet he masterfully recorded them in the process of his success in the book of Psalms. And as we know, David wrote half of the book of Psalms. But one of the most challenging and devastating storms that David faced in his life was when his son, Absalom, decided to help revenge his sister, Tamar, who actually premeditated and carried out the murder of his own brother. Yeah, actually, I, I actually just said that. One of David's children killed his brother in revenge for his sister. <sighs> Absalom fled to another country and remained in hiding for three years. And David, his father, loved him so much and mourned for his son every day. Let's see if I can change it. Can I change this or no? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, 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 hold on. It's like the Apple remote got turned on. In 2 Samuel 13, 39, the heart of David longed to go out to Absalom, for he was confronted concerning Ammon since he was dead. Absalom 
with the help of his cousin Job, schemed his way. Oh, oh hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. The heart of David longed to go out to Absalom, and he was confronted concerning, concerning Amnon, since he was dead. So Absalom, with the help of his cousin Jab, schemed his way back into Jerusalem for his forgiving father David had good graces on him. And Absalom never suffered the consequences for his wrongdoings. Killing his brother, rather than having the gratitude of mercy and kindness that he received, he deliberately and systematically... Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, he deliberately and systematically over time undermined his father and tried to dethrone him as king. He was an evil, evil man. And over time, Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. You would ask yourself, like, how did this happen? David was the king. And David's son murdered another son. And David's heart was broken. Is this not working? Good. This happens today when people bat bite and talk and give people discredit on social media and have just this awful, awful thing. So much so that Absalom actually orchestrated a coup d'etat. And David had to leave the city that he loved and that he founded to worship Yahweh. Yahweh is the uh, word God. And was forced to flee and to get out of Jerusalem because of his son forced this coup d'etat. And in 2 Samuel 15.30, and David went up to the ascent of the mount and ascent the Mount of Olives and wept as he went. And his head was covered and he walked barefoot and all the people who were with him covered their heads and went up weeping as they went. The heartache and pain that David has to be experiencing and feeling right now is insurmountable. His son murdered another one of his sons he left for three years because of David's good nature and heart allows this evil son to come back into the city that is supposed to be the city of God, the city that David formed. And now this coup d'etat happens and now David is forced to leave the city that he loves because of a son who murdered another son started talking all this negativity about David. And now David is so brokenhearted that he is leaving the city of Jerusalem and he goes up this mountain crying, covering his head in shame and sadness. And in Psalm 3, this is written by David about this time in his life. If you want to talk about storms and trials, you are God's chosen one who loves his family, whose family is destroying from the inside. And now your own family members are kicking you out of the city of God that you're supposed to be in. And your heart is broken. And now we have David 
who puts this record in Psalm 318, a Psalm of David, when he fled from Absalom, his son. Yahweh is God. Yahweh is, Yahweh is God's proper term. Oh, Yahweh, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against, the, against me, and many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. Selah. I'll talk about Selah in a minute. But you, O God, O Yahweh, are my shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to Yahweh with all my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain, Selah. I lay down and slept, and I awoke. For Yahweh sustains me. God sustains me. I will not be afraid of the ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me and round about me. Arise, get up. O Yahweh, O God, save me, O God, for you have smitten my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to Yahweh. Your blessings be upon your people. Selah. Huh. This time in David's life was not just a storm, it was a hurricane. With a broken heart, forced to escape the city of God, David is pressed into a war with his own son, and he is being threatened by looming death. David has turned to God for deliverance. And notice that the focus is on Yahweh, God, six times in this psalm, and not on his son, and not on the problems he has. He has refused to fear, he has refused to allow fear to get in his head and get in his way because he knew and he knows that God is going to save him. Six times he asks God and focuses on God in this psalm. I would like to read this again because this is powerful to me. This is the perspective of a godly man. The psalm of David when he fled from Absalom his son. Oh God, oh Yahweh, how my adversaries have increased. Everybody hates me. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance from him in God. These backbiters are back there in the Bible time, and they're sitting there going, David's not a man of God anymore. Look at what's happened. And they are literally talking smack about God's chosen one. There is no, they're saying there is no deliverance for him in God. Selah. Oh, no. It is. All right, we're back. But you, O Yahweh, are my shield about me. Look at David's perspective right now. David's perspective is look at what God does for me. Look at this God. But you, God, are my shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to God with all my voice, and he answered me from a holy mountain, Selah. I laid down and slept. God gave him rest. And I woke, and God sustains me. I will not be afraid of 10,000 people who have set themselves against and round about me. Arise, O Yahweh, O God. Save me, O God, for you have smitten my enemies on the cheek, and you have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to Yahweh. Your blessings be upon your people. David's life actually has credibility with God right now. We just talked about the fact that David was delivered from the lion and the bear. David killed Goliath. All of a sudden, now David is remembering this. 
You have smitten my enemies on the cheek. You have shattered the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to Yahweh. Hmm. One of the many challenges that we face with trying times in the storms of life is actually projection. Projection on actually the worst outcome possible. <sighs> a long time ago, there was like some sad times, like major storms. And it's funny because I started a second business years ago. And rather than having a perspective of God taking care of me during this business, I was a schemer. I avoided people that I had to get bills from, pay bills to. I hired people outside of my original circle, people I didn't know anything about. And those people were not the greatest to me. I was telling Mary that things were going good at this second business. They weren't. New York State wanted more money from me, money I didn't have. As a matter of fact, I am so thankful today that we don't have that business. It set us back years. And the entire time that I own that business, I just kind of think of scheming ways of how I can get out of this, how I can get out of this, how I can get out of this. And not once when I owned that business did I really think I should ask God for help with this. I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. But not once did I get on my knees and actually pray. I'm in deep right now. I need your help. Because that's what David's doing right now. David's in deep. And David's praying. The mind, our minds belong to God. And the word selah happens three times this. Not many of us know what the word selah means. And the word selah in the Hebrew actually means to lift up, to exalt. But however, there is a more acceptable meaning or acceptable term for the word selah. It means to pause or to consider or to think on these things. To take a moment and just think about it. In the many Psalms that David wrote, it's very apparent that he paused to reflect on what God, on God, when he was tempted to fear or despair. And the Psalms reveal the confidence and the faith that we can have no matter the circumstances as well. David considered these truths and inspired others to write and to consider them as well. And we can do the same thing by following along here. In Psalm 46, 1 through 3, 7 and 11, and, um, 10 and 11, this is such a wonderful perspective to have. David wrote, wrote this. God is our refuge and strength, a very pleasant help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change, and though the mountains should slip into the hearts of the sea, though its waters will roar and foam, through the mountain quakes, it is a swelling pride. Selah. Yahweh, God of hosts, is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah, think on these things. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Yahweh, the God of hosts, is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. I wish to God I had this perspective with that failing business. I wish to God I have this perspective in the times of trials and when the storms of life come and hit me. I wish to God that I have these perspectives when my family might be saying different things about me, other people saying things, social media, whatever it may be. 
But doesn't it know, and isn't it comforting to know that God has told us, stop striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. Yahweh, God of hosts, is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. No matter how big the problem is, no matter how big or grim the event or the storm may be, like David, we don't need to fear. For God is our refuge, our strength, and a very pleasant help in the time of trouble. Psalm 27, 1-3. God is my, Yahweh is the light and my salvation. For whom shall I fear? Yahweh is the fence of my life. For whom shall I dread? When evildoers came about to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp around me, against me, my heart will not fear. Though war rises against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. <sighs> this is a battle cry. A spiritual battle cry from God Almighty letting us know right now that we are to be confident in the God who provides the air that we breathe the sun rising and setting every day and the tides coming in and out Yahweh is the light of my salvation for whom shall I fear Yahweh is the defense of my life for who shall I dread when evildoers came about me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumble and fell. Though a host of camp about me, my heart will not fear. The war rises against me. In spite of this, I shall be confident. Psalm 8, 118, 4 through 6. Oh, let those who fear Yahweh say, His loving kindness is everlasting. For my distress, I called upon Yahweh, and Yahweh answered me and set me in a large place. God, Yahweh is, with, is for me. I will not fear. What can a man do to me? How does someone get this type of faith? They reflect on the goodness of God and what God has done for them in the past. They set their mind on the scriptures and they look at their own life and they have a deliberate and constant focus on God to seek and to be in his presence. The word fear in this verse right now is not a fear of falling. It's not a fear of snakes. The word fear is the word respect in this verse. Let those who respect God say, His loving kindness is everlasting. How long is everlasting? Because quite honestly, I'm going to fail when I walk out of this building today. Some truck driver is going to cut me off. He's going to make me angry. I'm going to be upset that something happened. And when that happens, I might fall a little bit short. But God's loving kindness is everlasting. 
And when God says something in his word, it is true. He does not use words haphazardly. So let those who respect God say, his loving kindness is everlasting. From my distress, I called upon Yahweh. When I have a problem, I'm calling on God. And God answered me and set me in a large place. For God is for me, and I will not fear. What can man do to me? <laughs> Look at the words that our God has chosen in these Bible verses right now. One thing I have asked from Yahweh that I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, Yahweh, God, all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of God and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me upon a rock. How comforting is our wonderful God. The words that he chosen, house, temple, tabernacle, tent, all used metaphorically to represent the fellowship with God, living in his presence. David held a deep desire to worship and fellowship with God and to experience the beauty of his presence. He wanted and he longed to spend his time in worship and in adoration of God. And in the day of challenges and in troubles and storms, we too can hide in the secret place of his tent. <laughs> I'm not ashamed or abashed in any sense of the word to ask God for help when I need it. My spiritual walk has changed in my life. When I was younger, I thought that asking God for something was a sign of weakness. But it's not. It's a sign of strength. Because I need to fall on my knees when I can't do something and ask God Almighty for help. Because when I ask God for help, he opens up windows and doors of opportunity that I can't scheme myself. God continues to provide the air that I breathe, the ocean tides to go in and out, the sun to rise and fall for all of us. But I am not going to stop praying to God when I need his help. David's perspective was the one thing I ask Yahweh that I seek, that I may dwell in the house of Yahweh all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of God and to meditate in his, in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me and he will lift me up on a rock. Psalm 31, 19 through 20. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who respect you, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you. Before the sons of men, you hide them in a secret place of your presence. From your conspiracies of men, you keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. (laughs) 
Isn't God good? Isn't having a relationship with God good? When I was searching for the appropriate verses to share on the challenges during the storms of life, and David comes up with all of these psalms, he actually says, how great is your goodness? He has been delivered from a son who caused a coup d'etat, took over the city of Jerusalem, murdered his own child. And God is putting perspective years later how good he is. David is an amazing man. How great is your goodness which you have stored up for those who respect you, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you. We want to take refuge in God. We want to ask God for help. We want to lock in to his word. When things are challenging and the storms come, we want to ask the God who put all the stars in the sky to help us personally. You kept them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. In closing today, in Psalm 32, God, you are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. Think on these things. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's a, um, whether you are new to the word of God and this relationship with God and his son, Jesus Christ, if this is all new and you have struggled with humbling yourself to find God and Jesus Christ, know that he meets you where you are right now. And he will walk with you and give you the baby steps that you need to have a loving, lasting relationship with him. God is my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. I would like to close this morning when we reflect on the things that we heard our God say. That when the challenges and the storms come, that we're not afraid. But rather, we pray to our Father to receive his help. That we focus on him and his promises. And that we seek his secret place to be in his presence. Because when we do, we can conf confidently walk with God, knowing that he will deliver us and hold fast to his promises. If you don't mind, I'd like to pray. Heavenly Father God, you are a God who loves us. You are a God who delights in our request when we make them known unto you. You are the God who delivers us, who helps us, 
and who keeps us in his secret place when we ask. We ask you, Father God, to walk in your word, to be strong, knowing that we could have the confidence in you. We ask you, Father God, to hide your word in our heart and to comfort us when we are needed to be comforted. We ask you to build up a relationship with you, Father God, and that we can walk with you. We thank you for these things. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ.